Good morning, brothers and sisters. If you would please rise for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading from Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21. Reading as follows. Brothers, join me in imitating. I keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things unto himself. You may be seated. Let us now go ahead and turn to our Lord in prayer. Blessed God in heaven, we're always grateful, Father, for your goodness and always seeking that you would uh, stir that spirit that you have given to us, Lord, so that we may be able to bear good fruit. I pray that at this moment, Lord, you would be with us, that you would allow us indeed to meditate upon the fact that we have a wonderful Savior in Jesus Christ and being saved from wrath, we have also been given not only the gift of salvation, but the wonderful gift of a life to come, Lord. That is what we await. That is what we look for. And we are to live in light of that, Lord. So let us look at your scripture today so that we may learn more about these matters, Lord. For we ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. So as we've been going through the book of Philippians, we've been learning that the Lord is really the one who's doing the great work. He's the one who's been doing the, the work in our lives. And that even the work that we are doing actually comes from Jesus Christ himself. As we uh, looked at the verse which states, you know, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's the Lord who is willing and doing this work with us. So what we want to look at today is this further encouragement of the fact that we need to be looking to do what is good, looking for what the Lord is seeking in us, which is that we were made to bear good fruit. So looking at verse 17, we see that Paul here speaks about being an imitator of him. He speaks about how he has uh, the, the desire to see that the people of God are going to have an example in the way that he bear an example while he lived. And so this is obviously a very important thing in the Christian life. Because what we want to do is we want to have a relationship with the Lord. And we want the Lord to be effective in our lives. But a lot of times, we don't consider the fact that in the way that we are being uh, worked on by the Lord, and the way He's having an impact on our lives, it should also have an impact on those that are around us. And not just those that are outside, those that are outsiders, of which we should have a good name with, but even amongst ourselves. And that's the one thing that, in particular, I want to focus on today, which is that when we look at Christian living, it's not merely a personal thing, but that it's also done in the context of a community. And so it's an important thing that we not only bear a good example for the sake, let's say in this case, because the apostle is asking it for us or because Christ himself desires that, but because we should be doing it also for the sake of the brethren. One of the things that we need in this world is encouragement. 
and we get encouragement from God. But one of the ways that we also get encouragement is through friends, through family. In the same way, we need to be able to have that kind of encouragement within Christians. I know that there was a time when I actually was not walking with the Lord. I did grow up in a home where I was taught the gospel and I went to church and I learned to love God and respect God, to pray to God, to confess my sins to God. But the time came when I was having one foot in the church and one foot in the world. That usually, that's usually the struggle when you are in your teens, right? You know, you're struggling because you want to find your place in the world. But at the same time, in my case, you know, uh, Christ had a big effect in my life. I can't say that for everybody that I met. I met a lot of uh, uh, younger people that were my age, and some of them would even ask me, you know, oh, don't you hate going to church? And I would look at them, and I'd be like, wow, you know, Lord have mercy on you. <laughs> you know, because they, they, these kids uh, didn't have any respect for the Lord. But it's an important thing because that's one of the things that we want to encourage. We want to encourage it in us and in our children that we honor the Lord and that we have a desire, you know, to, to love the Lord. In light of looking at the issue of example, let's go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse one, verses 1 and 2. It says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. This is a wonderful passage because here you, you're, we're seeing that Paul again is speaking about his example. And when he's speaking about his example, one of the things that he mentions here is holding fast to the tradition. Now, this is an interesting text because there are, as you know, different Christian groups. And there are different Christian groups that claim that their tradition is the one being spoken of in the text. That this is actually making reference to their tradition. But in reality, what is the thing that has been handed down to us? What is the true tradition? It's the word of God. It's the word of God that has been handed down to us. So when we speak of the gospel, the gospel is the word of God. And these are the traditions that we want to follow, not the traditions of men. And we know that even in the book of Isaiah, of which I don't have the reference, but we know that Jesus made reference to it, where he spoke about that there were men who were keeping traditions that actually violated the word of God. So we want to make sure that the things that we hold on to and the things that we're especially going to follow as examples of Christ are things that are coming from, from that particular tradition. And we want to, as a people of God, to be able to continue to mature, encourage excuse me, one another in that particular uh, tradition. Going on, I'd like to look at verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So these are individuals who are walking contrary to the gospel, contrary to the tradition, which is what we are holding to. And the thing that I find interesting is that this is actually not speaking about those that are outside. This is actually speaking about those who are inside the church. And so what that means is that furthermore, we have to be looking not only in encouraging one another, but actually looking out for those that may actually be goats within the, within the sheepfold. And this is probably a rather controversial issue to deal with because of the fact that we want to be a peaceful people. And we know that even God wants us to be a peaceful people. But at the end of the day, we do have to make, to make judgments. And in particular, because we have to protect the church of God. We have to protect the message of God. And so one of the things that we want to do is, if we see that we have any, anyone who's walking con contrary to Christ, we want to point it out. We're going to want to point that out. Now, there are proper ways to do that. We obviously have 
uh, the example of Matthew 18, which tells us if you see a brother in sin, to go to him. If he does not receive you, to go with another brother, right? And of course, if at that point, this individual does not listen, does not accept the, the correction, then at that point, you take it to the church. And so this is something that we definitely want to stress for us to do. Because if there's anyone in our midst who's not walking accordingly, and particularly if they, they say, for instance, to be a member of, of this congregation, that has to be taken seriously. Because we have to be honoring the Lord. We have to have reverence for the Lord. And having reverence for the Lord means that you have to be faithful to what he has commanded. And that's our hope here at, at, at Acts, which is that we want people to come here, to listen to the word of God. We want to encourage them in godliness. But we eventually would like for you to grow in the Lord and become a faithful member of this church so that you can join us in serving one another. Because it's actually a, a great thing to serve our Lord and to serve one another. And in light of that, I'd like to also go ahead and read from uh, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 through uh, 23. And this is actually a very important text. While most of the time these uh, texts tend to be separated on two different issues, I've actually put them together because I feel that they actually uh, speak towards the same thing. Beginning at verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward, inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear, excuse me, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now here's where the next section comes. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast, cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we know that we have to, as we were just talking, or as I was talking, about the fact that we have to be protecting ourselves from those that are false sheep. Now here is talking about those that are of heaven is wolves. So this is speaking about people that are actually hurting, seeking to hurt the church. And one of the things that a pastor particularly has to do is he has to protect the sheep. He has to protect the sheep. As a deacon, I'm to serve the sheep. But in reality, as a congregation, what we're seeing here is that we have also a responsibility to bear with guarding the house of God. God has given the pastor as our lead, and we want to definitely uh, respect him and encourage him, and he should be knowledgeable in the ways of God to properly do this. But in many ways, we as sheep have to also be growing because that's the whole point of why, why even I'm speaking here. The reason why I speak is to encourage you, to be able to teach you so that you can take these things and be able to bring about good fruit. We want to bear good fruit. Is there anybody here who comes here because they want to bear bad fruit? No, right? Everyone wants to be a, a good tree. But if we're seeing that someone's not producing the right fruit, 
we do want to address that. Not only because we want to stop it, brothers, but one of the hopes that we have is that we want to be able to win that individual over. Christ is a savior. And one of the ways that he saves people is from their wickedness. Many of these people that are ravenous wolves sometimes convert. I say sometimes because we know that many of them actually end up uh, falling away. But there are many times that the Lord can actually change the heart of these individuals. And so that's why we want to lead with a good example. If you take, for example, Judas, Judas didn't necessarily repent unto salvation. But if you notice, he, even he himself, who was a, a child of damnation, had regrets having, you know, betrayed Jesus Christ. But our hope is that we could do more than that, that God would be able to use our example, our teaching, the love that we want to give to be able to see that person change and to be able to see the things that, that we want to do. And in light of that, when, when we practice Matthew 18, one of the things that we have to always remember is that Christ taught us the golden rule, which is to do unto others as you would want others to do unto you. I don't know about you guys, brother, but I, if someone comes uh, yelling and screaming at me for what I did wrong, I tend to not receive it too well, right? You, so one of the things that we want to do is that we want to approach the person sensibly and lovingly. And uh, sometimes it, we may have to be strong, particularly in the case of where it's something repetitious. Sometimes, you know, we have individuals that claim that they've repented and they've apologized, but yet they keep repeating these things. And sometimes, you know, we may have to get a little bit of, a little bit uh, hard, but we know that that's one of the ways, for instance, of our Lord. What has what did the Lord do to Israel? God has actually given us a great example of Israel. How much did he do with them? He did wonderful, miraculous works with them. And yet we know that the generation that left Exodus, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. They didn't bear the fruit that, that God was uh, looking, looking for. But he, and he had to judge them. And so what we desire is to be able to see that people turn to Christ and that indeed they would be able to bear good fruit. Because if they don't, then we have a Savior who will actually be their judge and can actually be their condemner. So our hope is to be able to change the heart of the person so that he would actually be someone who is a, uh, a co-redeemed uh, with us. That they will join us in being able to be uh, citizens of heaven. Continuing... Uh, further in verse 19, speaking of these people, of those that are the enemies of Christ, it says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. First point is that their way is their way of destruction. And so these people, their motivations are actually not good. And the reason that they are not good is because at the very end it says that their mind is set on things that are earthly. And one of the things that we have to understand, brothers and sisters, is that who created everything? Who created the worldly, the, well, yeah, even the worldly things, who created them? God did. God created all things. But the issue is not the earthly things itself. If one has a great admiration for beautiful cars or, or you know, uh, whatever, you know, whether it be art Whatever uh, it is that, that you like, you know, there's nothing wrong in appreciating these things because actually this, these things are actually gifts from God. If you look at a beautiful painting, right, it wasn't that God himself painted that, right? But who gave that ability? Who, who gave the person 
the ability to do that. God did, right? So there's nothing wrong in and of themselves to have a, have a nice home, to desire to have a, a good career. But the problem comes when people begin to make these things the, prim the pri priority, the primary thing. And that's one of the big problems that actually we do see in the world, and I hate to say it, but even in the church. A lot of times people want to focus more on these external things. They put focus on these things because they're getting joy from that. But the problem is that if we put our minds and our passions into that, then that means that we're not properly putting our passions towards God. And what we have to do is we have to be looking to actually serve our Lord. We forget that, you know, we're actually called servants. And what is the job of a servant? To do a work for his master. And in our case, to please our master. And so in order to do that, there has to be a, a proper framework from which we have to be thinking. And we have to remember that we are not only servants, but that we are children of God. And for those of you who are parents, I know that... Uh, you, you would appreciate for your children to hear that, you know, you want your children to uh, be pleasing to you, right? The reason we give them correction is because we want them to actually be trees that bear good fruit, right? Because it's very easy to bear bad fruit. Because of the sin of Adam, that is our nature. Our nature is to sin and to quickly do those things which are evil. But just as our Lord is a father and, has, and gives us light and corrects us, in that same way, parents want to do that. And so one of the things that we want to do as a people of God is we want to be able to correct one another. We want to be able to encourage one another in those things that are, that are good. Looking at Matthew 7 now, verse 13 and 14, it states, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is a great, excuse me, wide is a gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is a gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The reason I connected this text to this is because it's very easy to fall into the way of the world to get focused on, on these uh, earthly and worldly things. But these are actually the things that lead to destruction. Because it is natural to do that. That is the broader way. It is very easy to follow the things that go on in the world. But it's difficult. When it comes to turning to Christ and following the way of Christ. That's why it is described as the narrow gate. So that means that we have to live lives that are sacrificial. Because instead of living as these individuals do, as it says uh, uh, in uh, verse 19, where it, or in verse 19, yeah, where it says that they, uh, that, you know, that God is their belly and that they glory in their shame. We want to be able to do the opposite. I'd like to turn to Psalm 4.2, where it states, How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love in vain words and seek after lies? The reason I use this particular psalm is because I want you to notice what the psalmist is saying here. He is speaking about his honor and his honor being turned to shame. This is actually probably a reflection of what Paul is speaking about here, which is that these individuals, what they glory in is not that which is good and that which is honorable, but they, they actually glory in what is evil. And we've seen many examples of this in the world. Many times people trust in the riches and there's great evil that they actually do with the riches. And yet they boast because of how, how rich they are. 
and how wealthy they are and how much power they have. But if you're not using it correctly, the problem that they have is that to who much is given, much is required. So a great condemnation will eventually come in the end. So as a people of God, that's one thing that we want to have control over, which is that we don't want these things to be our masters. We want Christ to be our master. We got to remember that if you seek the kingdom of God first, all everything else will follow. The Lord will provide if he indeed is our God. So in essence, what, what we're speaking about here is that the biggest problem with these people, the reason why they're enemies of Christ is because they're really idolaters. These are people who are practicing idolatry because who are they putting first in their heart? They're not putting God in their, their heart first. It could be other people, it could be other gods. But many times it could just be the fact that they're so concerned with the things of the world that they put them before God. And that's why it eventually leads to their destruction because there's no foundation there. The reality is that the worldly things are nothing else than ornaments. None of those things are going to last. All those things are going to be wiped away. But we know that the word of God, that's what gives us treasure in heaven. As Jesus said, where moth and rust does not destroy it. And so we want to be able to keep that in mind so that if, as we're living our lives, we'll be able to have the proper mind frame to be able to do the things that Christ is asking us to do. Continuing forward, let us look now at verse 20. It states, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to remember that we are a heavenly people and that we belong to the kingdom of heaven. And that in light of that is why we're actually awaiting our Savior. That's, I think, the best way to describe this. That's why I've titled this message as Citizens of Heaven, because that's actually how we should be looking at ourselves, which is that we are not actually a people that belong to this world. If God is calling us out, he's actually calling us to be a holy people. But the fact is that because we're still in these corruptible bodies, we're still wrestling and we're still having to deal with the old nature. But we have to be always changing our minds, always changing our minds because it's very easy to fall back to the old man that we were, to fall into the thinking of the world, particularly if we appeal to our, to our emotions. For me, I know I can say, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of men can agree with me that when you get angry, you tend to not be very spiritual. You tend to turn right away into the flesh and, and it's very quick, right? Our reactions are very quick. That's why sometimes it's best to, as the scripture tells us, not to say anything. I know that, you know, with my wife, when we've had issues, sometimes we just say, you know what? Let's take a pause and let's talk later because you got to let your anger sit. And this has to, and this is part of that, that change of mind that we have to have. Christ, our Lord God, he is very patient. No one, I don't think anyone can be more patient than the Lord has, right? And yet that's exactly how we have to be as well. We have to be patient. So we, not, we have to not be so quick into letting our bodies or our nature determine what we want, but we want to be able to always be thinking about the fact that we belong to Christ, that we are not living here necessarily for this world. We're living actually for the world to come. But nevertheless, God put us here, and he's given a call to each and every one of us, He's, not only has he saved us, but he's also calling us to be uh, workers in his field. And in light of that, I actually asked the brothers, as we've been uh, desiring to do uh, for a while now, and we've done it in, in different uh, group contexts, 
pray for our church that we would have more leaders, that we can get more, more people to serve. We definitely are in need of another elder. So pray for the Lord to preserve our elder and for God to bring uh, men that he could raise so that we can have, uh, you know, a good counsel because there's, there's wisdom in counsel, as the book of Proverbs says. And that's one of the things that we want to desire. But we want to desire people that are a godly people, people that are looking to the ways of God and not the ways of the world. Let us look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses uh, 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a, a very actually a sobering admonition by the Lord which is that we want to continue to do exactly what we're doing right now, which is continuing to meet together as the body of Christ. And sadly, there are many who have come to confess Christ, but neglect the meeting of the brethren. And notice that it says here that we are to do it as we see the day drawing near. Now, obviously, it's been a very long time, right, since this, this was written. It's been a couple thousand years. But... This is actually speaking to the fact that because we don't know when he is coming, but we know that we are one day closer to that day, that's exactly how we should be living. How would you guys, how, what would you guys do differently if you knew that the Lord would come tomorrow? If you knew that the Lord was coming tomorrow, wouldn't that change our priorities, our behavior? I'm sure a lot of us probably would have a big burden in our hearts because we'd have a lot of people that we would want to talk to. That we would feel, you know, I, I think this is the time. This is the time to reach out and speak to those people that you've had a desire to, or even just people within our communities. I can tell you, brothers, that I had I had an incident where I was having a, a lot of stress, and I ended up having what I didn't know was actually a panic attack. And a lot of people told me you need to control your stress because if you let it if you let it keep going, you're gonna you're gonna die from a heart attack. And I was experiencing symptoms to me that I was having shortness of breath. My arms were getting uh, numb. And I thought I thought I was going to, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I, I was actually on my way to San Diego and I had to pull off the road and call, call 911. I had to call, you know, for the paramedics to come, to come out. And I remember that when I had that situation, I called my wife and I told her, you know, um, I may be having a heart attack and I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I just, I'm just letting you know. You know, I'm out here in San Clemente, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And when I was experiencing that, it's like as if my life was flashing before me. And the thing that hit me was that I actually felt, wow, I didn't do enough for the Lord. I didn't. I was not living enough for the Lord. And here I am, and I'm going to die because I was having financial issues, and I was having a, a panic attack because of that. And I thought to myself, I, I'm not living rightly. I'm not living rightly because my mindset is not correctly. I'm dying because of my own, my own making. Because I put myself in debt. And then, and then I was trying hard within my own strength to do this. And I realized, no, I, I got to trust in the Lord. I got to put a priority. And I got to be able to really reach out and work, you know, uh, to, the, to do the work of God. And that's actually one, that's one of the ways actually that I ended up at this church. Because... I was in a previous church 
where I became very comfortable. I was we were going to church on Sundays and we would hear the message, but that was pretty much it. I lost some of the fellowship that I had, and I was not being very fruitful in the Lord. I was I was coasting. And to be honest with you, except for you know, when I started to get into my issue with finances, things were going pretty good. I felt pretty comfortable. But even the Lord there put a conviction to me because it, it made me realize, you know, I'm too comfortable. I'm not really seeking the Lord. So I went ahead and uh, looked for a, a, a different church, a different church that which eventually led to a community group that led to this uh, group being able to be formed as a church, which I'm thankful to the Lord. And as you see now, I've been able to serve. So I'm very thankful to the Lord for that privilege because another thing that I can tell you guys, as I know that my brothers who serve, can tell you is that it definitely uh, encourages you in holiness and in seeking the Lord when you serve, because you know that you have to be dependent on the Lord. You have to be seeking you as a teacher. You have to be examining the word of God. You have to be looking at these things that are, that are uh, in the scriptures, having an understanding of the, of the things that the Lord has there. And also in trying to encourage others because in wanting to have a desire to teach others, you yourself have to first learn these things. So I encourage you. I encourage you to take part. Take part in the ministry if you're able to. If you feel a calling, look out for it. Talk to the talk to us. You know, because we are here also to disciple people, to encourage people to be able to serve God properly. And that should be actually our goal. Our goal should be not just merely to come to church, but to grow and to be able to be of service to God by being also of service to others. I want to look at uh, verse 21, which is our verse. It says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So that's one of the wonderful things that we have and promises of God, which is that this body that we are dealing with will eventually be put to an end, but that we will actually get a glorious body, a glorious body the way Christ has received a glorious body. Romans uh, 8.18 states, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy, comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So this is a very encouraging passage because that means that even though we're day-to-day -day struggling with not only our nature because of the body that we have, we also have ailments. Sometimes it could be mental things, right, which, which, which afflict us. And it's wonderful to know that the day will come that our wonderful Lord is going to put an end to this. And he's actually going to give us something that states here that's going to be far more glorious than what we can even conceive. And that, and that is a wonderful, wonderful promise. Let us take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.1. For if we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens. And this is actually speaking to the fact that whenever you see that term, not made with human hands, it's speaking about those things that are heavenly. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the heavenly things. Because everything that is physical here, the earthly things, these are things that are going to be put to an end. That's going to be burned up. And what we want is we want those things that are going to last. The things that are going to be glorious. And that's a wonderful uh, revelation that Paul has given us here. Second point that I'd like to make 
in light of uh, verse 21 is that by the power of Christ in whom all things are made subject, he is authority completely. And the promise of the resurrection is something that is actually certain. Why? Because if he is all powerful and everything is being worked out through his power, then brothers, is it really a trivial thing that God can give us a new body? That God can take that body that's turned into dust and make it again, you know, a body and make it particularly a heavenly body. It's, it's actually interesting to me because I know people who actually question this. They actually question, you know, is that really possible? You really think that we're, there, there is going to be another life? You know, and to me, the first thing I, I always ask is, well, why is there even this life? And we turn to dust, but where did God make man from? From, the, from dust. If he did it once, why can't he do it again, brothers and sisters? That's why we know that because all things are subject to him, and that includes our bodies, we have that certainty that we will receive a wonderful life with our Lord, a heavenly life. I'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. And this is again speaking about his authority, stating, you have put all things in subject in subjection under his feet, for in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But we but we now do not see yet all things subject sub, subjected to him. And this is speaking about the spiritual world. We know that there's principalities and powers. We have forces that are actually working against us. And there's been some pretty scary stories. I know I know that for instance, uh, there's a lot of cases where I've heard of where people have had to be exercised because people have become demon-possessed. And most of us uh, are not acquainted with that. But we do know that the uh, testimonies are there and that they've been uh, documented. And these are things that we do not see. We do not see these forces, but yet they are all around us. They could be in your brothers. They could still, you know, even though we are here physically in honor of God, that doesn't mean that the enemy may not be in this building, troubling the minds of some of them. And that's why it's so important that we put our faith and look to our Lord to be able to indeed master these things. Because we're not going to do it through our power, through our spirit. It's going to be done through him. So in light of what we've seen, I, I only have two applications that I want us to look at. And the first application in light of what we've talked about is to seek that which is good and holy fellowship. Why? Because if we want to produce good fruit, if we want to do those things that are pleasing to God, then we should be seeking it with people that are trying to do that. Because when I walked away from the Lord, I was not only walking in my own flesh, but I was also walking in the counsel of those who were giving me their advice. And it was not producing good fruit. Eventually it led to my downfall, which was good because of the fact that, that bad fruit happened. It led me to realize I need to turn to God. If I want to have a good life, if I want God to be working with me, I have to seek him. And having sought him, it's been a, a much different situation, particularly because since I have wonderful people as yourselves here, I'm able to get good counsel. When I've had certain issues in the past and I had friends that were unbelievers, it didn't motivate me very well. That's one of the reasons why I left one of the, one of the churches I used to go to because I didn't really have fellowship there. And I wanted to go to a church where I can be able to have brothers and sisters in which I could take issues that particularly I was having a hard time with and be able to be given good advice. Sometimes it's just an issue of being able to 
deal with your mentality and your attitude. Sometimes it takes a brother saying, brother, you need to stop getting angry or you need to be patient, you know? And these are things that the world's not going to tell you. But if you have good and godly people that can encourage you with that, that's a wonderful thing because that actually is helping you in your holiness. Let us look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. This is actually a wonderful verse because it's speaking exactly what, to what I was saying, which is that if you're going to be following in the ways of those that are in the world, they're only going to bring you to shame. So we want to incur be encouraged by those that are good and godly people. And we want to be those good and godly people that also encourage other people in what is good. Second point I'd like to look at is the fact that our strength doesn't come from within us and that the strength isn't ours. The strength that we have and we and you need to say to yourself, brothers and sisters, you've got power and you've got strength because if you can change, that is because God is within you and God is that power. I'd like to read Psalm 34 verses 17 through 19. And this is a wonderful psalm that expresses how the Christian does not lead an easy life. Many people in this world, that's what they want. They're looking for the way, the way out. They don't want troubles. They want to they wanna live an easy life. They want to live a good life. But a lot of times, what they're not realizing is that they're trying to make heaven out of a world that is not heaven. And instead, we should be looking to heaven and understand the world that we live in. So Psalm 34, 17 to 19 reads, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. So that's the encouragement that I leave with you, brothers. That we want to be able to be a people of God that regularly is together that is looking to each other, particularly in that wonderful tradition that the Lord has given to us, you know, and given us his, his counsel and given us the wonderful news of the gospel that we can be saved and we can be transformed. And that's what we want to encourage one another in, is being able to live transformed lives. And knowing that, that, that when, because we are weak, we are weak people because we are still in these earthly bodies, that we have a powerful Lord that is there to help us. And we will have troubles, as the text uh, in Psalm is telling us. That's the life of the righteous. It will be trouble. There will be ma many afflictions. But the wonderful and encouraging promise that God gives us is that he can deliver us from all of them. Let us turn to our Lord in prayer. Blessed Savior, we ask you to meet us in this place, each and every one of us, that you would look at us as we are, Lord, and that we would recognize each and every one of us that you have given us a trial and a test to every single one of us. Not all of us have the same issues, Lord. Not all of us have the same trials or, or tests or even temptations for our hearts are different. But because you made us and you work in our lives, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would reveal those things in which we need to be able to be looking to you that you would give us victory over those things. Victory over the enemy, Father. 
for we have we have an enemy called the devil that is against us and we have his minions against us but we are your people and you have your holy angels in heaven father that are also servants in your kingdom i pray indeed, father that your work that the work of your angels and that our work would be indeed made powerful through christ that all things indeed may be subject to him and that we ourselves would pray lord indeed allow us to live every day of our lives in subject to you let us forsake the flesh let us forsake evil counsel from other evil men and that indeed father instead we would be looking to build on the good bless this church lord i I want you to bless every single one who is here. If there is any who does not know Christ and desires to know you, that he may call upon your name and that you may graciously reveal yourself to him, Father. That you would impact his life, that you would indeed give that person the revelation and the manifestation of the wonderful things that we who are even now are being afflicted are able to see because you have given us those eyes to be able to see, Father. I thank you, Father, for the work of this church. I pray for it that you may continue to sanctify it so that it may do all that you seek to accomplish father upon this life that we have and at this time lord and in this world so i pray lord that your word would be sanctified in us and that you would continue being our savior not merely father in in being saved from the uh, ultimate wrath to come but in the many trials and tribulations that we are experiencing but we ask it in your precious and holy name amen